The Water Values Podcast, Session 57. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGimsey. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my son Joey said, I'm Dave McGimsey and thanks for joining me. Before getting to our terrific guest this week, a few quick housekeeping items for you. First, next week's podcast will be a Wednesday release rather than the typical Tuesday release. If you can guess why, shoot me an email as to why the release will be on Wednesday, April 22nd, rather than the immediately preceding Tuesday. And you can email that to david at thewatervalues.com. Also, thanks to all of you who've taken time to complete the listener survey on the homepage. If you haven't, please head over and do me a favor and take that listener survey. That just will help me uh, provide even better content for you. It'll tell me kind of what you like about it, what you don't like, what topics you want to hear, things like that. So I really appreciate you heading over to thewatervalues.com and taking the survey. Well, now on to today's guest, Meghna Tare. Meghna is the executive director of the Institute for Sustainability and Global Impact at the University of Texas at Arlington. She emigrated from her home country of India about 15 years ago, where she experienced water shortage firsthand. She really knows uh, why water sustainability, she gets it, why water sustainability is important. She tells a terrific story about the work the Institute for Sustainability and Global Impact is doing, and she's an impressive person, so you'll really enjoy listening to her. With that said, let's get on with it. Open the valves, fasten your seatbelts, and here we go. Well, Magna, thanks very much for coming on to the Water Values Podcast. Greatly appreciate your time. Uh, to start off, Magna, could you please tell us a little bit uh, about your background and how you got interested in water? Sure. Thank you so much for having me here, Dave. Very excited. Um, so for my background, I was born and raised in a small town called Nagpur in India, and um, came to the U.S. to study in uh, 2000. And currently, I work as the executive director for the Institute uh, for Sustainability and Global Impact at UTA. And I've been with UTA for five years and joined them as their first director of sustainability in um, 2010. So um, professionally, I work on programs related to sustainability, which has a very broad spectrum of focus area, including water. So knowing about water is part of the job description. Uh, but I think I personally got interested in water unintentionally because of the way I was raised as a child back home in India. And, you know, people say that your adulthood is just an extension of your childhood experiences. And growing up in, in India with, uh, you know, food and water scarcity left an impact and also shaped my thought process in the last few years about how we humans respond to these various situations and crises in life and that, you know, necessity really drives innovation or invention. So you start paying attention to the disparity and irony of the situation about not having access to running water for some and not having access to water at all for um, others. So that is what really interests me. And I honestly think that um, Aristotle and other philosophers were really right on the mark when they said that what is common to the greatest number has the least care bestowed upon it. You know, it is such a pressure, precious capital that I think is so undervalued and underpriced that we as humans have no incentive to conserve water or even use it um, efficiently in our 
day-to-day life. And I'm interested uh, because, you know, in view of the fact that we are facing a water-constrained future, especially here in North Texas, where uh, it is projected that the population is going to be 13 million by 2060, and we are ex- the existing water supply is going to decrease by 10%. So, you know, it is uh, such a complicated issue, you know, global, number one global uh, risk based on impact to society as announced by the World Economic Forum earlier this year. Um, So that is what really interests me. And then working for a very progressive and research-focused institutions like University of Texas at Arlington gives me the advantage to understand this issue from economic, business, um, and policy perspective and also to work with various entities um, in North Texas on finding solutions. Uh, for example, we are working on hosting a global water conference here in UT Arlington in the year 2016 with the intention to continue this dialogue and uh, share best practices, including technology, innovation, as it applies um, to water. So honestly, that's really what interests me. And um, it's part of the job, but I love, I love it. Oh, terrific. Uh, just to give us some context, I know this is kind of outside the scope we were going to we're going to talk about today, but could you also talk a little bit about how, when you were growing up, uh, the the water scarcity issues, you know, what what was it like to grow up uh, in in that type of water scarce environment? Um, and um, well, it, it was um, it was hard because um, we were not used to having water 24 hours, seven days a week. You know, you really had four hours during the day when you would get running water and you just fill up every pot or utensils that you had at home with water to survive for the entire day. And um, this was not even like a really good water quality. So it had a lot of sediments in it. So uh, we used to put something called an alum in water to settle down the sediments and then you drink that water because filtration was not really an option. So having, you know, and even now, I mean, I know people who have to get up at two in the night because a tanker filled with water comes to your community and you are expected to fill up everything that you have to survive for the next day. And, you know, this is just like water for cooking and everyday needs. So so growing up with that experience, you really, um, you know, you really start thinking about we are living in such a, a complicated world where, uh, you know, water, there is no alternative to water like energy and we don't use it very efficiently and so having come from that background and that experience you i really feel passionate about it i mean if somebody was to ask me what is your blood type i would say h2o (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well i I think that provides a lot of great background for your work uh at the institute for sustainability and global impact at the ut arlington um Mm -hmm. So could you talk a little bit about the Institute and why why do we need to create the Institute for Sustainability and Global in- Impact there? Sure. So UT Arlington is a really big campus. You know, we call it our own citizenry with uh, 38,000 students, more than 5,600 employees. We have our own housing, businesses, transportation, police force. You know, it spans over 420 acres. We have 112 buildings, which includes research labs, on-campus housing, dining, shopping. Um, We even have a thermal plant that provides heating and cooling services for the campus. Um, So our impact is big, and it's also because of the fact that we are located in this big community of um, North Texas. 
so the institute was really created to support the growth in north texas in a very sustainable manner and it is aligned with the university strategic plan 2020 which uh, aims to enhance the quality of life for the community by developing uh, and focusing on natural built economic culture and social environment and the goal is to collaborate with businesses around uh, north texas or even arlington uh, government nonprofits uh, to solve these problems of constrained resources like water and offer solution so we are sort of the point person for folks outside of uta to come work with us and collaborate with us on projects uh, you know sustainability in, uh, broadly speaking but also like water energy or transportation okay and it sounds like the institute then is more of a practicing institute or more of a practical practical institute rather than just a purely academic institution exactly and that is what makes us unique because most institutes within academic institution or centers they always focus more on academics but we have embedded um, sustainability across our curriculum research facilities operation and um, we do a lot of collaboration and partnership because our aim is to be a research uh, tier 1 research focused institute so it is a combination of both which is what makes us very unique okay and and you said uh, there are a lot of entities that are coming to you to learn about sustainability practices how how large is that sphere of influence that the institute is wielding right now um it's pretty big actually because uh you, like we have researchers on campus so we have communities or entities reaching out to us like um, IBM for example we are working on a collaborative project or you know exploring ideas to work on a collaborative project with IBM and USDA to figure out how you can improve the water usage for agricultural or irrigation practices you know um so we have some researchers on on, on campus who have expertise in that area and uh, we are exploring ways of how do you use high resolution hydrologic um, uh, you know data to predict precipitation patterns for north texas okay and so when when we study sustainability or when you study sustainability uh at the Institute for Sustainability and Global Impact what what does that course regimen look like I mean what what do you bring into that in order to to really get a grasp and and get your students and the partners you're working with out there in industry what are you what are you teaching them okay um so universities are really a catalyst in sustainability efforts uh, because you know um they impact not just in operations but also in the minds of the students that we train so we have a lot of courses in sustainability offered within various disciplines like college of architecture college of liberal arts college of business engineering school of urban and public affairs we have a sustainability minor and we also have a sustainability minor offered through the college of engineering um so we really offer students courses if they are interested in sustainability we also give away almost 15000 every year in grants or fellowships to faculties or students who are interested in pursuing sustainability or want to adopt sustainability as part of their research area and focus we help them go to conference or invite uh, speakers you know a few ba- few weeks ago we hosted a, a conference or a symposium on campus where we invited speakers from all around um, texas to talk about various issues um, related to sustainability and water conservation and even uh, and even climate change so um it's not just the operations we preach what we teach we you know it's not just about uh, long lasting cfls for us we kind of um 
tap into this moral imperative based on the concept of sustain, sustain, so systems thinking that, you know, everything is part of the puzzle. You know, we have to move away from this linear thinking of A plus B equals to C. You know, everything is connected. So when you talk about water, it is connected to climate change. It is connected to food security. It is connected to, um, you know, urban design and sustainable communities. And we hope we uh, impart that knowledge to the students so that they take it back to their workplace when they graduate from UTA with a degree. Terrific. Now, uh, let's talk about some of the projects. You mentioned IBM earlier and the irrigation. Uh, mm-hmm. What are some of the other types of projects that you're that you're working on there? Uh, um, related to water or in general? Uh, well, let's let's start in general, and then we can pan down and focus on water. Okay. Well, I gosh, I don't know where to start. We do um, like so broadly speaking, we implement projects related to energy efficiency, waste management, which is recycling, water conservation. Um, landscaping, transportation. We even have an on-campus composting and community garden. Uh, for example, our uh, energy efficiency project has been in existence since 1974, and we save over $3 million annually because of um, those projects. You know, we also pursue LEED certification for all future buildings on campus. So the engineering research building and the college park center, it's all um, LEED goal. Uh, we have car sharing program, we have e-waste recycling, uh, we have a community garden, we have a landscaping project. So we really focus on everything besides, you know, just uh, academics on operations uh, to incorporate sustainability measures. And um, when it comes to water, you know, to give you an idea, in the fiscal year 2012, UT Arlington used almost 58% of our water usage was for dining services, you know, like um, also cleaning restrooms and other indoor water uses. We used almost 24% for grounds uh, and building system heating and cooling for research labs and also on-campus housing complexes. So when you know your impact or your footprint, water footprint is so big, um, you are very keen to adopt programs or initiatives related to water conservation. So uh, we have set up a goal to reduce our usage by 20% of 2005 levels by 2020. And we have already achieved 18.7% reduction as of now, as of 2014. And as part of those initiatives, we have installed like 1,700 low flow shower heads in all the resident halls on campus. And most of these shower heads, they'll say one gallon of water per minute. So an estimated savings of 27 million gallons of water annually for UTA. Um, and then we make it a point to retrofit on an average five restrooms per year by installing low flow toilets um, and sinks. Uh, we have upgraded our heating and cooling system steam traps, which capture the steam condensate and recirculates the collected water back into the system for reuse. And, you know, this has increased our condensate return to the boilers from 60% to 85%, saving us millions of gallons of water annually. Uh, We have also installed waste-to-water heat exchanges in the research labs that typically use domestic cold water or potable water. Uh, For landscaping, we have a weather-based radio transmitter master control system that has been recognized by the U.S. EPA WaterSense program for reducing the irrigation water um, usage. And we have a projected 20 to 40% reduction in water use because of using that system. And uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just say, wow, 20 to 40% reduction uh, Mm -hmm. just from using that system. That's, 
that's incredible. Have where are the efficiencies gained in in that uh, that application? Um, I think it uh, it it uh, gets an uh, idea of whether it's raining. If it's raining, then the uh, then the sprinklers won't turn on, and you just rely on the on the rainwater to irrigate your landscaping. So, so just through moisture sensors in the in the irrigation system. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. And this is recognized by U.S. EPA, so they kind of promote uh, institutions like us to use things like this. And we are part of uh, Water Sense program, so you know we get recognized for all these efforts by U- uh, EPA. Terrific. And, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, um, you've you've said a number of very interesting things in there. Uh, the reduction of 20% of water usage based on 2005 as your baseline by 2020, and you've already hit 18.7 percent. Uh, is there any uh, is there any look at going back and say, hey, we can do even better. We can hit 25 percent reduction, or we can hit 30 percent reduction. Are you are, are you reevaluating your goals based on the successes you've had? Yes, absolutely. So you know, we came up with these goals um, almost three to four years ago, based when we released our sustainability action plan, saying we are going to target um, these areas and these are our goals and objectives. So we are going to revisit them um, in like a year or so and come up with more aggressive uh, target. I always like to start small so that you know you are efficient in what you are achieving, um, and you can build upon those successes instead of you know trying to achieve a bigger goal and having some challenge in the process. So now that we know that we have already achieved 18.7% in 2014, we can go up and say, okay, let's do this 25% or let's do 30%. Okay. Uh, and so another one of the interesting things you mentioned, uh, 58% of the water was used essentially for indoor water uses, 20, mm-hmm. 24% for grounds, heating, and cooling. Um, one of the things that I, f- I found very interesting, you mentioned that, that UT Arlington has um, – you know, a, a, it sounded like a combined heat and power plant or cogeneration mm-hmm. plant. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at a conference recently, and one of the one of the uh, presentations involved um, the the water efficiencies gained through combined heat and power, and mm-hmm. and it, it was actually uh, based on ERCOT. I think it was the study was about UT Austin mm-hmm. um, and how much because UT Austin has just an enormous combined heat and power. I think they have like 124 megawatts. But in any event, the 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 presenter said, uh, you know, the water used, um, the the water that would have been used had UT Austin taken that power from mm-hmm. Ur, from ERCOT, mm-hmm. uh, the the water that was saved, not necessarily on campus, but by generating stations elsewhere, was mm-hmm. was substantial. Have, have you because You've you've shown some great, fantastic efficiencies on campus with the water that you're actually that's physically there. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you looked at all about how those energy systems are saving water? Maybe not necessarily on campus, but how mm-hmm. they're saving water just generally because you're not having to take take power from ERCOT. Uh, yeah, I think, and that was the intention of launching this institute as well. So operationally, we have done, um, you know, we are doing really great. Uh, so at this point, the idea is to how do you connect 
what we have done to this bigger picture of uh, North Texas fa facing drought for um, so long and the constrained water supplies, especially in view of the growing population. So how do that, how do you convert that into numbers? And like I said, you know, connect it with the energy saving or also in um, like agricultural practices. So that is the idea. And of course we will do that. And which is part of the research efforts with all the faculty expertise at UTA to work on all these projects going forward. Ter terrific. Um well, let's talk about a little about the landscaping uh, projects that you've you've undertaken. How can landscaping contribute to sustainability? Uh, honestly, just the fact that it consumes a lot of water and is a key for uh, area focus for us, uh, especially in Texas. And so, when we do landscaping, we do try to focus on drought-resistant species um, on campus. And um, we started this um, by installing our first green roof. In back in 2008, when people were not even talking about water or sustainability a lot, and we started our own green roof on top of one of the science halls and started that with 35 species of plants that were heavily biased towards native species. And, you know, the green roof project is still alive and kicking, and it provides us long-term comparative data about roofing and irrigation system, as well as information about the plants that actually survive in this kind of atmosphere or um, weather pattern. And so we try to, you know, draft a report and circulate it among landscape architects in the area saying, hey, we figured this out, that these are the species that are dr very drought resistant, and maybe you can use those in your um, practices or business. And we started with that. And um, we also have a very, very innovative uh, project called Green at College Park. That is um, that something that we are very proud of. This is a four-acre park. And it was one of the three projects worldwide to achieve certification during a pilot phase of an initiative called as the Sustainable Sites Initiative. It's also known as SITES. And it is essentially a rating system for green landscape design, construction, and maintenance. And uh, this was started in partnership with the American Society of Landscape Architects, the Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center at UT Austin, and the United States Botanic Garden. So the goal of this project is, you know, just to provide a rating system for landscape design, similar to what uh, USGBC offers for lead designs for um, green buildings. So as part of this project, you know, the park, uh, the four-acre park, it features native and adaptive plants that consume 70% less water than a typical landscape for this area, for North Texas. Uh, we also have, a, like, a dry creek um, which manages rainwater and stormwater runoff that ultimately drains into a Johnson Creek. So this park features a large, you know, really big lawn of drought-tolerant uh, grass. We have seating surfaces which are made from um, stone ledges and permeable pavement which is actually made from recycled glass. So, you know, it has not only helped us with um, reducing our potable water usage for landscaping, but also eliminated the problem of stormwater runoff for us. And we really received American Society of Landscape Architects Honor Award for this project because we were the, you know, one of the three uh, entities in the entire nation to submit this project for certification. So, I mean, that project is so outstanding that we get inquiries from folks around asking us if we can help them uh, implement something similar on their campuses and help them with the certification. So we do a lot of tours for um, the park, and it's really a model of how landscaping project uh, and design can be truly sustainable.
Well, that's great. In terms of when someone comes to you and says that they want to model uh, a project based on green at College Park, uh, mm-hmm. how, you know, what, what all do you have to look at? Because I would imagine if someone's coming to you from another part of the country, you're going to have to use different species of plants uh, or you're going to have to, uh, well, maybe you don't have to use different species of plants, but, you know, how do you tailor the projects to a specific geographic location? Sure. So it's, uh, I mean, uh, having native species of plant is just one aspect of the entire certification, but it is like a big laundry list of initiatives or uh, ideas that you tick when you go through the certification process, including the kind of site that you use, you know, just like in green building, if you are using a brownfield, you get some points. If you are sourcing locally, you get some points. So this project is similar in that aspect. And really the whole process of going through the Uh, ticking the initiatives and applying for certification is a very uh, tedious process. So we actually had a student, we hired a student uh, through our office and she worked on this for two years. So now we know, you know, what are the projects or what are the initiatives which are easy to implement or what the challenges that you might face. So, you know, we kind of provide lessons learned from this project to others and saying, this might be worth your effort. This might not be worth your effort. Okay. Uh, how about research on water at uh, UT Arlington? Are, can you talk a little uh, bit about that? Uh, uh, of course. I mean, um, so you, our assets are really our faculty and the students, you know, being an academic institution. Um, so we have a lot of faculty um, who are interested in working on water. And to give you an example, the Tarrant Regional Water District is working with UTA on a 150-mile, 2.3 billion integrated pipeline project and the leaders of North Texas have actually called the this water highway or this pipeline very crucial to the region's future growth um, uh, in view of the population. And so when completed, it is going to stretch from Lake Benbrook to Lake Palestine, delivering almost 1.5 million residents. And this pipeline is expected to be operational by 2021. So UTA, uh, uh, faculties are actually working on this project. Um, we have another project where we are bringing an element of predictability to flash floods with a new weather radar sensor, which is located on top of one of the UTA buildings called Carlisle Hall. And this sensor is operated by CASA, which stands for Collaborative Adapting Adaptive Sensing of the Atmosphere. And it is one of the eight which is placed around North Texas. So UT has one of those radars. And the idea is to monitor the weather patterns as part of the DFW Urban Demonstration Project. And this project is funded by NSF, $40 million, 10-year project. And it is made of a you know consortiums of various uni- uh, universities, industry partners, government agencies, including NCT Corp. North Central Texas Council of Governments. So we have two faculties within the College of Engineering working on this project. And uh, uh, we have a couple of students who are you know, interested in sustainability as it applies to water conservation and landscape projects. And uh, two students from our campus competed with uh, 218 other students across the nation in US EPA's uh, Rainworks Challenge. And you know, the idea was to come up with the innovative green infrastructure designs for water conservation. And, um, you know, their their uh, project was very well received. 
And like I mentioned, we are in collaboration with IBM and U uh, USDA to explore a few projects that we can work on uh, when it comes to uh, usage of water for agricultural practices. You know, um, when you talk about a sensor, you know, there are sensors that you can place in your body that will record how your body is, you know, reacting to certain medications throughout the day. What if you had a sensor that you can place in, you know, the ground or in an agricultural field, and it will actually track the water content or the moisture content of the soil so that you don't overwater it. So these are the kind of projects that we focus on. Yeah, that's uh, th those sound like great ideas because I know that that ag uses a tremendous amount of water, and I think we can. My suspicion is at least is we can get a lot more efficient in the use of our ag water. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think those are those sound like some fantastic projects. Uh, is there anything I haven't asked about the Institute uh, for Sustainability and Global Impact or UTA Ar UT Arlington that uh, that you think would be important to share with the listeners? I really touched upon everything, but you know, we we are a very progressive institution, and we're doing a lot on uh, all these initiatives and programs, and we are always open for collaborations with entities like you know United States Business Council for Sustainable Development based in Austin or other all other the entities and so we really hope to make an impact uh, when it comes to the issue of water because it 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 really is such a fragmented industry and you know it's going to impact us in the long run. Well, Megna. Uh You've done a, a fantastic job uh, telling us about all these great projects that you're working on. Uh, has it, you know, this has kind of gone through my mind as you've been explaining this. Has, have you ever thought about taking all these uh, things that you're learning at the Institute for Sustainability and Global Impact and, and UT Arlington, have you thought about taking those and applying them back in India where you grew up or in, in other places that, you know, really need uh, to... To, to focus on sustainability and and all these great projects that you're working on. Absolutely, Dave. I mean, um, you know, I've learned so much in the last 14 years uh, in my work, in my education. And, you know, it will be great if I can, you know, go back to India or some other country which face all these critical um, problems when it comes to water or food and apply my knowledge or my experience and help them uh, with a few issues um, you know, it could be water, it could be land use. So, yeah, that would be like a dream come true to actually able to help people back home and, you know, figure out things when it comes to sustainability initiatives. Terrific. Well, Meghna, where can people go to find out more about you and the Institute for Sustainability and Global Impact and UT Arlington? Um, they can go to our website, www.uta.edu/sustainability, um, uh, and that we are re really redesigning the website to reflect our uh, research projects. But they can also email me at um, mtare@uta.edu, or also follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm uh, I'm very active on Twitter, and uh, we post a lot about our efforts. Uh, my handle is Meghna Tare, or you can simply follow UT Arlington. Terrific. Well, Magna, thank you so much. It's been terrific learning about what you're doing there at the Institute for Sustainability and Global Impact and UT Arlington. So I want to really thank you for your time and explaining it so thoroughly. So thanks very much, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Dave. Oh, you betcha. Bye. Bye. Well, I hope you liked that interview with Magna Tari, the Executive Director of the Institute for Sustainability and Global Impact at the University of Texas at Arlington. Just a couple quick takeaways. The first is the holistic approach the Institute is taking towards water sustainability. They're looking at both indoor and outdoor water sustainability and have set goals 
that still make them stretch, but aren't so unrealistic as to hamper true water sustainability and progress. I really found it interesting how they've integrated the campus power systems into the water sustainability plan. You know, too many institutions only look at the direct consumption uh, without addressing things like water used in power supply when setting water sustainability goals or when establishing, uh, you know, water programs. Another thing I found interesting was the Institute's program on agricultural water use. You know, consumptive ag water is not my strong suit, but from what I know and understand about it, there's a lot of room for greater efficiencies in ag water use, and I'm excited to see some water efficiency measures being more widely adopted in the ag water space. Well, you can check out the show notes for this session at thewatervalues.com forward slash pod 57. Leave a comment on the show notes or email me at david at thewatervalues.com. You can also tweet at me at DTM1993 and tweet about the podcast using the hashtag watervalues. And don't forget to rate and please review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and in any other podcast directory on which you might listen to the show. And please don't forget to tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast. Sign up for the Water Values newsletter. And again, take that listener survey, all of which can be done at thewatervalues.com. In closing, Please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. listening to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me. Thank you for tuning into the disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Colorado and Indiana, and this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship with you or anyone else. And information in this podcast should not be considered legal advice. Further, this podcast is not a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer who finds water issues interesting and who believes greater public education about water issues is necessary. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.